0: So there's one thing that can uh change fate. There's only one thing that can change what's what's destiny, and that is prayer. That's that's the power of prayer. It, it can change anything.
1: Welcome to the Lucas Scrobot Show. I'm Lucas Scrobot, and this is where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Thank you so much for being with us, with me and us here today. And we have a special guest. Today. Today, our guest is an Emirati, multiple, not one time, but multiple award winning film director, writer, producer. He's created multiple shorts, uh, amazing films, and he's an entrepreneur. And not only is he just, he's not your run of the mill entrepreneur. I made a couple films, I'm a big deal, but he has class character. He is a true gentlemen. I am, it is my pleasure to introduce to you Mustafa Abbas. Mustafa, thank you so much for joining the show today. I, I'm just so glad that you're here. We have so much to talk about.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your wonderful words. I'm uh, very excited to be here actually to talk to you.
1: Now, we we got connected. I, I believe our connection came through Muhammad Kavim and mohammed seems to be one of a, a very close and dear friend to you which that connection just made me in, endeared to your heart all the more just because mohammed is just such an amazing gentleman as well um and i think that's kind of how we first got connected and then we've been following each other for uh, quite some time now
0: that's right that's right yeah i know um i know he was on your show as well yes he was uh, a year or two ago, uh, and uh, yeah, we've been following each other for a while. And uh, I have to say, if you don't mind me saying this, I I always felt you were a very genuine man. I always felt you were uh, kind and intellectual. And uh, so I've been looking forward to this, you know, having this conversation with you.
1: Good, thank you. That that means so much to me. I'm probably going to have to change all of my questions right now because I was just going to grill <laughs> you the whole time. <laughs> no, I'm joking, but now. Now, you have just released a new film, and I was blessed and lucky enough to be able to be at a, a special premiere of that film, The Long Game, and I, when I watched it, there's a couple things that really stood out to me. But before we get into what stood out to me, I want to hear from you about the process of this short film—it's about a thirty-minute film—that has won. It has won multiple awards in LA, in in the London Indif- Independent Film Awards for the best action and crime short. It won the best mystery film in the LA Film Awards. You you guys won a best supporting actor and best supporting actress from it. You guys were had an honorable mention in Italy and London. I mean, it's not just like a small deal. It is a pretty big deal so what what is it like to produce such a piece and what is what is some of the things that you were really pulling out from that movie um well I think you
0: know um an artist of any kind the 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 real pleasure you get is watching the final product when mm. you, when you just not even watching it as much as just knowing that it's there and you're happy um The closest way I can, I mean, the closest example I have is um, cooking a a dish on a, it's a smaller scale, but like the reason I bring up that example is because the chef has to pass his or her own dish Mm. before anyone else. You have to like the taste of what you have created. Um, And because we've made so many short films, uh, that's been my... uh, uh, the analyzing or analysis uh, process, you can say, um, "Can I watch the movie a number of times? Can I watch it again and again and feel like yes, this is a good film? Yes, I like what I've made." Uh, as opposed to you know, you you watch something you've made or you watch something you've cooked and you're like, eh.
1: yeah, you know, the long game is definitely that where there is multiple layers to your to your movie where you watch it one mm-hmm. time, you're like, okay. I, I got a piece of it. I think I see what's going on. You have to go back and you have to kind of like watch it again. And with each time you watch through it, it's kind of like you're peeling off more layers and you're getting more, more insight and depth to the inner world of some of these characters.
0: That's right. Um, Well, I have two points on based on what you said, uh, two points to respond to Uh, one point to respond to, but I have two responses. One of them is uh, most of my movies have that effect on people. They they usually say we needed to watch it a second, third time mm-hmm. to kind of fully grasp. And uh, the second thing I want to share with you is um, the answers have to be in the piece, whether people can read it, whether people cannot read it, whether some people can see it, whether some people cannot see it. You are creating a world. You are creating lives Uh, that intertwine, that, Mm. you know, kind of crash or clash. Um, And even if the answers are not spoon-fed, which I hope to God they never are, Mm. the answers have to be there. Whether they're obvious or not, you as the writer, as the director, you have created this little world and you have to know every detail. Whether it's revealed or not, it needs to be there.
1: Mm. Yeah, it has to be definitely baked into the layers of a character and the angles and the lighting, everything. But do you feel like I can imagine that that is actually a criticism that you get of your films is because right when we see those blockbuster Hollywood films, it's like you see the first scene, and you know, I can predict the entire plot. like I'm like, oh, that's a bad guy. that's going to happen. You know, she's going to do this. You know you know the the entire thing before it happens. But it's not mm. so with your films. It's like mm. it's with your film. It's almost like that yeah. slice of lifestyle where you're stepping into someone else's world, as you said, very intertwined. It's not just mm. what you see is what you get. there's these it's these enigmas of human beings, and that's what we are, right? As humans, we are these enigmas in so many ways. and you're presenting these these characters to the viewer, to the audience. and even i I believe you said this in a previous interview, but you said i I love. Talking about crime. I love, you know, crime and mystery movies. Your your favorite movie is Heat Masha'Allah. That is a, quite the movie to get through. Um, but but you said in this interview that even though you love talking and and producing movies about crime, it's not so much the crime that you're interested in, but it's the criminal. It's the human being that's behind this narrative. How do you, how do you tease that out in your script and how do you put that into a complex character on screen in, it's not a three hour movie where you have huge character development, but you, you're making these 10, 20, 30 minute shorts, you know, sunset state, uh, Sarab, long game, all of these have very similar kind of layers and you're instantly infusing these complex char- complex characters onto the screen in a deep way that I could definitely resonate with. How do you do that?
0: I think uh, more important than the duration uh, we need to focus on the structure.
1: Mhm.
0: So w- when w- when you have that, when you have, you know, in the film world we have the in the script writing world we have this the three act structure. Yep. So I think personally, I think it's important to know um how long your script is going to be because roughly, I mean, if you, it's an estimate, but roughly one page is one minute. So I think it's important to know how long your movie is going to be, if it's going to be 20 minutes or 30 minutes to, you know, in order to know where act one uh, ends and act two begins, mm. et cetera. Um, and where the climax takes place. So once I think you have that, you have enough room to flesh out the characters
1: mm. Now there there is another element that the very first thing that struck me about the long game, and then when I went and listened back to and watched uh, Sunset State and Sarab, I I saw this same tool being used again and again and again. And I just want to play an audio clip if I could from one of these clips. I'm gonna play. You're gonna have to listen closely, audience, and and you too, Mustafa, because you might miss it. Okay, just. Just tune in just one minute. Here it goes. Okay. That's it. That was the clip right there. Silence. (laughs) Silence. I was struck with your use of silence. I know that's intentional. Talk to me about that.
0: Um, I'd love to know the scenes you're talking about to elaborate further on them. But first of all, thank you for noticing that. Uh, but I, would love to hear from you actually, is there specific,
1: you know, uh, moments or I found that, that used from, especially the, the beginning, you had so mm. many scenes where your character is mm. just sitting there and there's silence or, you know, there's, there's no music, there's no dialogue. There's, there's nothing happening in the background. You, you just hear the silence in the stillness in the room. I mean, I, I, I don't have any specific scenes just because I yeah. saw that tool Used so much, and it brought me into the story so much. As, as I think, as humans, we really do sit in silence so often. Why? Why do you use that 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 tool, that communication tool? And, and what are you hoping to communicate? What is your goal through using that that strategy?
0: Well, um, uh, first of all, I think it's important to do it tastefully. You know, you you have to respect the audience's time. So you certainly don't want them getting bored or, you know, you have to have this deep belief for why you're doing it. Mm. And in the film world, every scene, every dialogue, every, you know, moment of silence, everything has to push the story forward. And uh, this is where a lot of uh, many, many filmmakers can go wrong. Uh, Dialogue is not conversation. Dialogue is not conversation. You know, uh, we, you cannot have two guys sitting and talking about how good a steak is or how to make a cup of tea. It doesn't lead anywhere necessarily, unless it's a character driven movie and it's done in a specific way. But generally speaking, um, dialogue has to have text. It has to have subtext. And, uh, you know, in, in while using silence, the same rule applies. Uh, things are happening, possibly internally. Um uh, but for me, the idea of intensity in those moments is very exciting.
1: Mm. Yes, you know?
0: when it's like when it's silent, when it's quiet, yet there's it's intense. You know, it uh, is. That's exciting for me.
1: So it's almost in times it's can be more intense than the music. I mean, oftentimes you'll, you'll fade in in music to really communicate uh, emotion or something that's happening, but that silence really it, it feels very. Intense and very tense in a lot of the 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 moments that you're using it, and I I saw this motif um, kind of used in other areas of your life, and it it feels like you are a a man, a person who likes to create negative space and margin, right? Even in like typesetting a book um, or or typesetting like laying out a website, there's this use of the negative space that's so important. The margins of a book, the, the leads of lines, which is the spaces between two lines. These are all very important, um, aspects that we have to calculate in those margins of our life. And I see when I, when I heard that silence so often, and I thought back to who you are as a personal brand, all all the brands and companies that you manage, that seems like a a theme and a motif of this creating space, not hurrying, not rushing, but saying we're going to pause, we're going to take a, a a break in this moment, and we're going to create a moment in time of space and margin. Is that am I right in thinking that am I am I right that the synopsis and analysis of who you are as an individual and how does that how do you manifest that? in your daily schedule, in your life to create kind of those margins of stillness and space in your life?
0: First of all, uh, thank you for noticing that, you know, this is something that is actually in a bit of everything that uh, I like to do. So if we talk about uh, filmmaking, filmmaking is what is filmmaking? It's, it's a form of visual communication, mm. even though it's fiction. Uh, and communication is talking and listening. So it's giving and taking mm. in many ways. You don't want to, you can have all the, you know, uh, you can have amazing information. You can have all the tools. You can have all the right answers to everything. But if you overload the listener, you will overwhelm them. So it's important to pace ourselves. It's important to let things uh, marinate, so to speak.
1: And and you so, said that yeah. in, a, in a previous episode too, that even in script writing, in writing, it's more about listening than it is about talking. It's more about listening to who is this character? What what is the, the deep themes in history that's going on in their life?
0: In a movie, yeah, you you need to know everything about the character. You need to know, you know, when you're when you're writing, you need to know your protagonist. You need to know mm. his or her uh, desire, the conscious desire as well as the unconscious desire. And you need to know this while writing. Like what are they all about? Um, where are they going? What is their objective? What would set them free? What would make things worse for them?
1: Um, yeah. So we've talked, you, you mentioned story structure and I love story structure. I have a, I have McKee's book right here. Story right? by McKee. Yes. It's just such an epic book. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've touched on that. And, but another thing that I've heard you speak about it, tied into story structure is also the structure of how you go about creating and producing your films. Now, Stephen King talks about writing with the door open and writing with the door closed. And so there's an aspect of kind of creating that space to listen rather than to just produce and create. And how do you manage that? What in your writing process, do you have first writing with that door closed, and then once you get your first, second draft out, then you're opening it up for feedback, or how? What is kind of your your process of actually writing?
0: So what I do is I I write in order, mm-hmm. but I take it, uh, you know, I, I naturally you have two files. You have one is the script file, the screenplay that you're writing, and then you have the the notes file. So it's very important for me to write beginning to end. And you will make a lot of notes. This, this is going to happen and towards the end. This is how the movie is going to end. This is going to happen in the last, in the third act. Nine times out of 10, those things don't happen by the time you reach there. Right. And uh, the reason they don't happen isn't because uh, you changed your mind. It's not the case for me. So I've said this before as well. Um, for me, like I very much believe that these characters are alive. I feel like they are alive. And for me, writing is like listening, very mm. much so. So even though I might write something and I'll be like, I don't even know where that came from. You know what I mean? I, I, don't, even, I don't even use this word. Um, mm. So So to answer your question, when draft one is finished and you rewrite it, it isn't because, oh, no, that shouldn't have happened. This should happen instead. It doesn't feel like that to me at all. It feels like I didn't listen to them properly the first time. So I need to go back and and rethink or rehear what they actually said. And, and you know you heard correctly when you feel convinced. And it's only when you don't feel convinced that mm. it's not necessarily a good uh, script that you wrote, at least in my case.
1: do you feel like do you feel like you have a muse? I mean, the way that you said that you that you're using words that you don't know and you're you're listening now, uh, you know, obviously, we're not talking about like, you know, talking to the dead or some sort of seance, you know, that's going on. But do you feel like when you get into that, that closet of writing that you're closing the door and it's you and and your pen and your paper and your writing, do you feel like you hit this moment where you're, you're tapping into, um, your muse, so to speak, that, that state of flow, um, Do you feel like that in your writing or is that kind of like, ah, yeah, but not really?
0: I think it starts with one spark. You know, Mm. it starts with one spark that you get and you feel like, ah, you know, Uh, I I just know that, uh, you know, there's, for example, I'll uh, picture you in a studio. I'll be like, Lucas is in a studio and I'm very excited about this idea. I don't know why. I don't know what brought him to the studio. I don't know what he's going to do after the studio. But I know that I'm excited and enthusiastic about Lucas being in a studio. So that's how it starts. Mm. And then you, you keep trying to focus more. Uh, what, else is, what else is going on? Why is he there? Um, and every step, every why has to be because you're enthusiastic about it, because you're excited about it. Uh, so for me, the main recipe is enthusiasm for every why that happens in the film and if you're not you go back and you know you you redo it you rewrite it you you keep tweaking it
1: until it reaches that point until it reaches that point where you're like this is i don't like to use the word genuine but this is this is sincere this is true all the way through that this character is developing like the character should this this person is acting as they would they're not almost stepping out of character as they do this thing or say this line, but they have to be sincere all the way through.
0: It's true. And uh, it's a very, very funny process. Like you cannot compare it to anything else, especially if you're writing like a feature length script. Mm. Um, So sometimes you write 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 pages and suddenly you're not feeling it anymore, as we say. Uh, But that isn't because you were not feeling it the whole time. Um, Perhaps the last, scene you wrote you didn't write with the enthusiasm you wrote the rest of the scenes with uh so So my advice is anyone who feels that just omit the last scene and go back and, and and try to fix and save your hard work
1: is it some of it too the the state that you're sitting down and approaching your pen and paper that day that affects the quality of your writing that day is it just part of it just the um, mood that you're approaching, you know, page 50 versus, you know, day 25 when you approach, you know, page 40?
0: I mean, psychologically speaking, yeah, okay, that could play a part. Your, your current or present state of mind, it could play a part, yes. But I think it's, um, I think it should not be about how fast you finish it. I think it should not, the number of pages should not be this burden. I think you need to enjoy the journey of writing and mm. you need to get to know these characters and don't rush it. You know, you have to honor these characters. You have to give them their due. You know, it's very important to do that. Otherwise, you're just going to be happy because you have a completed product. It's not necessarily going to mean anything. And right. your hard work can go to waste if you rush it.
1: Now, one thing you, you, you talk about often on your Instagram, in your brands, in your films, you talk about these three different words, you, and you've mentioned passion. You talk about passion. You talk about purpose, which I, that's what we talk about here on the show. We talk about purpose. It seems like all the time. And we, you also talk about truth or honesty, and you talk about how your films, the aim, you you have your, if I'm describing it rightly, you say you have your your passion, which is kind of your energy, your fuel that you put into your work, and then you have your purpose, which is the aim of your work that you have to have some execution around to drive to to achieve your goal, and and then and now I'm I'm kind of adding to what you've said by taking some different things I've read and quotes I've heard from you, uh, interviews I've read from you. You've said that the the goal of storytelling is to tell brutal. Honest truth to display honestly what this individual person humanity is, even if it might be offensive is is that am I hearing you right that the purpose of a lot of these films is that you're trying to display some sort of truth of our human nature?
0: Are you sure I said that? <laughs>
1: You you did you, did, sure talk about, are, you did talk like about you did talk about brutal honesty. <laughs> you did talk about that yeah. that there is a, a goal of of yeah. no matter how ugly that truth is, you want mm-hmm. to you want to tell the truth through your storytelling. Mm-hmm. That's very
0: interesting because uh because storytelling a lot of it is uh you know, because you are creating fiction, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's important to make it, you know, quote unquote realistic as much as we can. But uh, the point of it is to escape, right? Whether it's to be entertained, whether it's to be intrigued, uh, you know, whether it's to be intellectually stimulated. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it goes back to respecting people's time and, and, and it has to be a mix of both. You cannot create a business or a product or a movie only to fulfill your passion. It's not enough. Yeah, it's not enough. Yeah, there has to be a greater reason, you know, that you have to, it has to be about give and take, going back to what you said about the silences. And, you know, it, it's about that kind of communication. Uh, so that's, that's how I see it.
1: You know, I, I like that. I I definitely agree. There has to be a give and take. It can't just be a, a one sided relationship that you have. And and you mentioned business and you have multiple other businesses. You have Chivalry, which is a a gentleman's barber shop um, in the heart of Dubai. You, I mean, 35 Burgundy. Um, you have a PR company. There's just a real estate. You are just a, in the eyes of probably many, a very successful businessman. And from what you've said, a lot of that comes from your ability to listen to what people need and want and being able to serve them in that as it intersects with your passion.
0: I honestly, if, uh, if I, if I am becoming anything, you know, as they say, successful, if I, as, as a person, as a businessman, as a filmmaker, first and foremost, it's by the grace of God, first and foremost, before anything else. Um, second i think that uh chivalry is a good example so when we opened chivalry uh i was 27 so this was like uh, 28 maybe seven eight years ago um and even then you know we were like uh we don't want magazines. We want books about gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we want to, we want the Instagram to look like, you know, it's a place where gentlemen hang out. We want, and we didn't know this at the time, but we were creating a lifestyle brand. Yeah. Even though like, I, I didn't know the the terminology at that point, but that's what we were doing. We wanted a place where men could come and hang out and feel good about themselves, you know, and just, uh, feel like, okay, we, this, you know, 30 minutes here made our day a little bit better. Mm. And, and we see that, we see that all the time. People come in and they leave with, with a smile and they leave thinking, wow, you know, I was really having a bad day. Thank you guys. And that's, that's the purpose of chivalry. So that to me is a success. Money comes after that. Um, some people might think, no, it's, it's the first thing. It's, the, it's not. With that comes money. That's the trick. But you're not doing it for the money, you Mm. see? Uh, So I'm a big believer in your intention. I'm a very big believer in your intention because that's your driving force. Therefore, that is your destination.
1: Mm. Do you feel like, I I have two or three different questions from what you just said, but the first one on intention, do you feel like we can always understand and see and read other people's intentions and our own intentions? Like, do you feel like you always know what your intention is when you do something?
0: I am a big believer that a person's true intentions can never be hidden. That's what I believe.
1: Like over time, whether it's
0: someone, I mean, if, if, if you listen carefully Mm -hmm. and when I say, listen, I don't mean listen to their words, but if you listen carefully, you can detect it almost instantly. Mm. Um, but that being said, even if it's not someone you're sitting with or having a meeting with, it could be someone on TV. You mm-hmm. know, a person's intention, I believe, will not remain hidden for long. Yes. I yeah. I, I, I believe it shows. I, I think the only reason a lot of people cannot see it is because they didn't uh, pay close attention. But the person, a person's true intention cannot be hidden for mm. long. This is my belief. Mm.
1: You know. Do you. Has there? I mean, uh, surely there has been. Has there been a time, whether in your filmmaking or in your business, that your intentions have been just totally misread? Like you came in with like great intentions, and the person on the other side just feels like you were doing the exact opposite. Whether it's in relationships, have has there been? Because for me, to be on like to give a bit of vulnerability in this situation, I feel like often, whether it's in my marriage or with my kids or with um, business relationships, I'm coming in with good intentions. I'm coming in with like the right intention, but it's in communication. It's so easy for me to misinterpret, whether it's my wife's intentions, me to misinterpret, whether it's a colleague's intentions. And it, it just gets really fuzzy really fast. Do you have that experience? And if so, how do you navigate that? Or if you like, no, I never have that problem. Everyone knows I'm awesome. How do you then communicate your intentions clearly? Well, first of all, if it's someone
0: very close to you, of course, you're bound to have one or two or three misunderstandings. That's completely normal. But then you talk it out Mm -hmm. and things become clear again. And if two people are very, very self-aware and aware of each other, then they will know not to misread you because Mm. that's called trust. They know that you don't mean them harm. They know that you don't mean anyone harm. They know that beyond the shadow of a doubt. So when two people have that together, whether it's friendship, whether it's siblings, whether it's marriage, that's the beautiful thing that yes, even though, you know, then the misunderstanding is. Uh, maybe the a thing you said that is sensitive, uh, a thing that you did maybe with a group of other friends that could have been hurtful, but still, they won't question your intention. They'll just tell you, listen, you could have not said that. You could have not done that. But then you you talk it out and things are okay again. Yeah. Bring back memories.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it's, just, it's I mean, gosh, yeah. the amount of times that I've had to put my foot in my mouth and my wife is like, oh, Lucas... You probably shouldn't say that. Say what? It's, you know, it's like just my yeah. ignorance always is showing, it seems. Um, but yeah, the, and then I think that's right. I, I like how you articulated that. It's trust. And that takes a, a huge level of self-awareness. Um, and that takes listening to yourself, being aware of, you know, what triggers you? What am I always seeing in people? Is that a projection? Am I projecting that onto someone else? Um, so I do – I I agree with you. It takes a lot of maturity from both parties in the relationship. Um, and even when you're not in, in close relationship, it's almost easier if there's – I think when you're in a really close relationship, of course, you're going to have that those misunderstandings all the time as you work to communicate. And then when you're in like super far distance relationships, not so much. But I feel like once you start – in that courting phase, whether it's with a new client, whether it's with a colleague, where you don't quite know each other, we haven't quite learned to read each other well, that's where I also feel like a lot of miscommunication can come in and, and we can misread people's intentions. Yeah, that's true. Um, back to back to as, you, as you're sharing about um, I believe you're talking about we were talking about intentions. And then before that, you were talking about uh, in business and listening to what your clients want, and wanting to create a, a space for your clients to come in. Um, what are some of the what are some of the foundational blocks that you have used to build those successful businesses to be able to listen to your clients, to be able to understand the intentions of other people that you can actually serve them in a way that they want to be served?
0: So whichever path you decide to take in life, any business, any industry or field you, you would like to get into, um, you don't necessarily need to know how you're going to do it, okay? Uh, because if everyone knew exactly how to do it, everyone would do it. Totally. Um, or at, at least those who want to would succeed. Let's put it that way. Um, so your, I think your task or your job is to keep your values intact. Mm. You keep your values intact. Like and you move that. forward. Yeah, you don't worry about the obstacles. You don't worry about the hurdles. You don't worry about those things. You keep your values intact, mm. no matter what they throw at you, no matter what people tell you you should do and how you're doing it and why it's taking time, and you keep your values intact, right? That's uh, huge. That could involve. Uh, that could, you know, these values could consist of uh, business values. They could consist of ethics. Mm-hmm. Uh, ideally, both. Okay, you keep them intact and you move forward and as you do that you will not see a path forming what you will see over time is that there is a path behind you this is the funny thing
1: yeah yeah so
0: and then uh, your work is never complete if you feel like hey i did my part i'm out (laughs) um no i mean i I don't know what kind of effect that could have it might have some but i mean you know it's not what we call uh worthwhile you
1: know mm. so I, I like how you talk about how it's by the grace of God that you have any level of success in your films or your business um you also have talked about how with every delay right that with every delay there is a good and and you've articulated um before, that with every delay that you face in, in your films, in your scripts, in your production, um, you take a moment and you step back and you say, okay, maybe there's something that maybe this delay is actually something from God. Maybe this is actually sovereign. Maybe this is out of my control because God is actually providing for me. Is that how, is that how you see it? That there's this sovereignty of God that's, actively intervening and engaging in your life?
0: Absolutely, in everyone's life. Uh, I don't doubt it at all. Um, Some use it to, some see it for what it actually is, for your betterment. Some see it differently as punishment. Mm. Uh, Some just see it as loss and makes them bitter and frustrated. And we all have those moments, but we're not supposed to let them define us. Mm. Uh, we all feel a sense of loss. We all feel frustration. We all feel anger. It's, it's called being human. Mm. It's, we're made of all these emotions, you know? Um, but yes, I, I do believe in that. Absolutely. I, you know, there are certain rules that I do believe in. Um, one of them is, as they say, uh, one, the universe will always remove what is no longer serving you. That's one. Uh, Two is we are never rejected, only redirected. Mm. And the more you look back and say it didn't work out and something better worked out instead of it, if you can't see that it did, look harder. Keep looking harder. Keep looking harder until you actually see that, yes, what I wanted did not happen. Something better happened. Mm. Not, Not because you're trying to convince yourself, because you're actually, you know, you can see that, that is the truth. Once you see that, you just need to see one time that that happened to you, then you'll start to see a pattern. And that's called faith. And then every time something, you know, doesn't work out, you know, it in your heart that something better is waiting for you.
1: So what, what do you see the difference? Where do you see the difference between, I guess there's, there's three different things at play. There is faith in God and his His grace upon our lives that provides for us, right? That it's by his strength, it's not by our strength. And it's just, it's by the grace of God that I'm breathing and living and have four amazing boys and a strong relationship with my, my wife, right? It's by the grace of God. And then you have said on your Instagram that the more and more you look at business, the more and more you think that some people just get really lucky. They just happen to be at the right time in the right place. And it's just luck. It's just pure chance that there's some people who are out there doing really idiotic things and like somehow they blow up. How did that happen? And then there's the third element, which is, you know, as a lot of people kind of in the entrepreneurship world, right, they'll say that, you know, luck is just preparation that meets opportunity or a however the saying goes, right? There's a level of, well, actually I put in work and there's a level of responsibility that rests on my shoulders. It's not just pure fatalism where, you know, inshallah, like I'll drive with my seatbelt off at 300 kilometers an hour as I text and nothing will happen. But there's also yeah. a level of, you know, we wake up in the morning, we we discipline yeah. ourselves in our writing. How, how do you see the interplay of these kind of three things in the world? I think,
0: uh, I think the big things are all
1: fates, right? The big the, the things big are things all fates. Fate.
0: Sorry, the big things. Yeah. Uh, that I believe that is uh, the time we're born, time we die, uh, who we get married to, how many kids we have, etc. cetera. Um, and I think a lot of things, uh, your motivations and uh, your dedications your attitudes I think this is all in your hands right Mm. now there are signs and there are lessons and a lot of them are harsh lessons for us to improve and get up get back on that horse and continue moving forward and be the best version of ourselves some of us do it some of us
1: do not do it so there's a level of choice there's a level of choice that's in there
0: there's free will all the time. This is why a lot of people get it wrong. Is it fate or is it free will? It, it is both. Mm-hmm. You are ultimately deciding where you're going by your choices. Um, so when you make the right choices for the right reasons, I believe God assists. This is what I believe. Mm-hmm. And I think if you genuinely want to make something of yourself and you have the right values, you will. Uh, and everybody has a different journey. Some people build everything. They lose it. They build it all over again. Some people build something once and it stays. And then we go back to your example of uh, someone getting lucky uh, for no reason at all. Uh, let's talk about that. That's a very good example, actually. Um, so that, I think it does happen. But I also think that the person this happened to, I think those, that person needs to honor this. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because if they just feel entitled and keep taking, it's not sustainable. It, it might be gone. Uh, or or they might lose something greater than their wealth. Yeah. So it's very important to to respect it and honor it and be grateful to it. Um, I, it's like a position of power, position of authority.
1: I like that. I think you know, when when we all of a sudden receive promotions in our life, um, we can easily think like, Woo, I won. When really those promotions are tests. Like we get promoted. Because our hearts are being tested, our intentions are being tested. It's, you know, the the pressure then is now on us in a greater measure, and it's saying, well, how are we going to react to this pressure? So here's another question. You said that, and I really like your articulation of it. Um, how, uh, you know, there are some things that are fate or destined, or you know, when we're born and when we die. Do you feel like, and from your answer, I think I know. I think I know your answer already. But that there are choices that we can make that actually derail us from things that should be fate, like when we should die, can we, or whether, you know, whether we're born to be a great film writer, are there, are there decisions that we can make that can derail us and actually cause us to fall really, really far short of the things that were designed for us to live and walk out in our everyday life. So there's one thing that can
0: uh, change fate. There's only one thing that can change what's what's destiny and that is prayer. That's that's the power of prayer. It, it can change anything. Uh, and going back to your point of making the better choice, the best choice uh, for oneself, for one's family, for one's career. Again, we we ask or we pray for guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even after that prayer, if things did not work out, it's, it's part of your unique journey. You know, you need to go through that. Why? Maybe you won't know at this very moment. Well, and let, if you're lucky, you'll find out
1: in a, in a bit. So what if, so I, you said also, you know, that God gives us signs. I totally agree with you. But what happens when God gives you sign and sign and sign, and you are not self-aware and you are ignoring every single sign right it's like turn around there's a cliff and you're like i'm just going to keep driving through all of these signs like surely there's there's a point where our free will where god is such a gentleman that he says you know what if you are choosing this life of drugs and addiction you know this is the these are the consequences of your choices so and that kind of plays back into business, right? Because we can, we make choices of how we build our business and those choices have consequences that cause and effect. Do you believe in that, that we can actually, there? I, I totally agree with you that that prayer is just such a foundational piece. And that we need to pray to hear the voice of God, to hear and be able to have our eyes open to the signs and his leading. I guess the question that I'm pressing towards is saying, are we able, by our deliberate rebellious choices, to be like, nah, I'm going the other way, just totally miss it?
0: Yeah, people do that on a daily basis.
1: And that's a a Uh, scary thing.
0: If you, uh, I mean, you you made a very, you know, you made a very nice point. You said, if what if someone uh, refuses to see the signs, mm. refuses to, what happens then? Um, well, th- that person would, I imagine, stop growing. They would stop growing. And uh, what else would happen is they would become one of those people, you know, that uh, would keep saying, why does this always happen to me?
1: Oh ho, 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 ho. And we all know those people. And sometimes those words probably run through our head, right? At least they've run through my head. i'll be I'll be honest. They've run through my head, and I have to stop myself and be like, well, wait a minute. maybe maybe you're part of the problem, Lucas. Maybe you're making decisions that mm, you should change these habits. You should change these decisions
0: well, for every time you stop yourself, from saying that every single time you have stopped yourself from saying, why does this happen to me when it's something bad? You have grown as a human being. Yeah. That's number one. Number yes, two,
1: that's good. thinking
0: maybe, maybe I need to improve. Maybe I'm, uh, one that's amazing that you have that kind of, you know, uh, analyzing nature, self-analyzing nature that you can, you're able to do that. Third point is, I would say, don't do that all the time, because then you end up being a martyr. And right. we don't want to be martyrs. Right,
1: right? you don't want to be a victim. And continue growing. You don't want to be no. a victim where you're like, woe is me, and then you don't want to be like so <laughs> self-deprecating and so hard on yourself that you're just no. pummeling yourself into the ground as a martyr. Now, we are out of time for this first part of our conversation with Mustafa Abbas, but stick around for part two, where we are going to talk about his idol. And it's not who you think it is. It's probably not who you think it is. And so far, this conversation has been great. It's been amazing. But I think we have been cheated in so many ways. If you follow Mustafa on Instagram or his interviews, you have been cheated in so many ways. And we are going to set this right today, right here on the interview. So roll over to the next episode. Also, I love getting your questions. I love answering your questions on the show. So if you have a question, please WhatsApp it to me at plus one, two zero two, nine two two zero two two zero. And if you ask me a question, I will send you a bunch of free stickers. Let me see if I can find some stickers here. I will send you a bunch of free stickers as a thank you for being a part of our community. Remember, you are a truth seeker who uncovers your purpose, so go out and own your future.